More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are now being told about stories of women being pulled from their homes, people that stood with American troops being pulled from their homes and killed. One soldier tweeted out a picture of himself and a group of one, two, three, four, five different Afghan military soldiers. A picture that was taken in February, he said the Afghans we were with in February were all executed outside their homes in Kandahar. This is what is happening in the country right now. You want to know who's going to lead the Taliban? Taliban leader who was freed from Guantanamo Bay in a prison swap for the deserter Bergdahl back in 2014 by Barack Obama is now the guy who is in charge of the Taliban, we have just learned. This is one of the worst dudes in the world. And now this guy who we freed in this prisoner exchange, a five-to-one exchange for a deserter Bo Bergdahl, is now in charge a guy that no other country, by the way, wanted back, wanted him out. He is now in charge of the Taliban. Nothing to see here, right? Nothing to see here. Welcome to what is happening as the President of the United States of America is on vacation yet again. Now, the Taliban, we are also been told, uh, has total control over the airport compound around the airport. They have completely surrounded the airport. It is theirs. The White House has said, or not even the White House, the Pentagon has said, well, if they attack us, we will defend ourselves. Well, that's Captain Obvious information. General Petraeus called the Afghan debacle, quote, our Dunkirk moment, something that was, in fact, avoidable. Take a listen to what he had to say on Fox. So that victory for the Taliban now sparking concerns. The country could once again become a a breeding ground for terrorism. And that is something the world will be watching. Here to talk about it, retired general, former CIA director David Petraeus. Sir, thank you for coming back and uh, good morning to you. I want to read a quote to you from the president from yesterday. This is what he said. He said, the choice I had to make as your president was either to follow through on that agreement cut by the Trump team or go back to fighting the Taliban. Uh, Sir, was this one decision or the other? 
Well, first of all, I think that the Trump agreement was disastrous. It was very, very flawed. It resulted in the release of some 5,000 detainees of the Taliban uh, that were being held by the Afghan government, which was not allowed to participate in the negotiations. But that said, this administration has overturned innumerable uh, policy decisions by the previous administration, the withdrawal from the WHO, from the Iran nuclear accord. You can name many more. And I don't know why it felt that it was in a straitjacket in this particular case. Uh, the fact is, I think that there were alternatives uh, as we look at what is clearly a heartbreaking, uh, tragic, uh, I don't know how you can describe it as anything other than disastrous uh, outcome in this case. And certainly there's a lot of blame to go around. Uh, I thought it was a bit uncharitable to uh, cast quite as much, particularly on Afghan soldiers who until now, uh, certainly a mixed bag, especially with the police, but the Afghan soldiers and especially the Special Operations Forces and their Air Force fought very, very hard over the years. Our concerns over those years and oftentimes were that they were taking such high casualties uh, that they could not sustain that and maintain their end straight. And let's keep in mind that we have not lost a single soldier in battle since February 2020. So was there a sustainable, measured in the expenditure of our blood and treasure, uh, sustained commitment uh, that might have been made, uh, maintained? I, I think that that was an alternative. Um, did, did we apparently uh, underestimate what a number of us actually pointed out, and that is that there's going to be an enormous psychological blow, uh, first with the announcement to withdraw, then with the actual withdrawal, because I think there are many in Afghanistan and probably in the United States who thought we'd look into the abyss and then draw back at the last moment, uh, as we did before, including with the Trump administration. Um, and then, of course, something that's somewhat overlooked was the withdrawal of some 18,000 contractors who maintained the U.S.-provided helicopter and planes that were the key to getting those great Afghan special operators uh, and close air support uh, to Afghan forces that were fighting at, at that point all around the country, uh, simultaneous attacks by the Taliban uh, in a whole host of different locations in a very, very vast mountainous country with limited road infrastructure. And frankly, once Afghan soldiers or any soldiers uh, fight for a couple of days as they did at the outset, uh, and then realize that nobody has their back, there's nobody coming to the rescue, uh, they are going to figure out that they either have to flee or they have to cut a deal and surrender. Uh, and that is exactly what many of the Afghan forces and local leaders did when they realized that there was no one coming to the rescue because the Afghan Air Force readiness had eroded so substantially. Uh, so that's, I think, the perspective. But let's get... Let, let, me, let me just go back to what General Petraeus said. You notice there he stopped himself and said, look, we all have been saying don't do it this way. We all have been telling you don't do it this way. Now, the White House and the Pentagon trying to rewrite history as we speak. They're trying to say that there's no problem on the ground. In fact, they actually said, quote, there's been no hostile interactions from the Taliban with our operations. So then they were asked a basic question from CNN because they won't go on any other news channel saying, hey, how are you going to get all the Americans out of Afghanistan who are stuck there behind enemy lines now? I want you to listen to the Pentagon's response. So the reason I've been asking you about those numbers is just because of that. I want to understand how you're going to do that. 
because there are only so many people at the airport right now. There aren't 20,000 people at yeah. the airport right now. There aren't five to no. 10,000 Americans at the airport right now. They're at their homes, either in Kabul or the area. What is the plan to get these people to the airport? The, there's, first of all, from a military perspective, John, our focus is at the airport, right? Uh, security and stability at the airport so we can keep operations going. We're working hand in glove with the State Department uh, in terms of supporting their plans uh, at processing these individuals. Uh, but uh, again, that's something that we're going to be doing on a case by case, day by day basis. Right now, though, uh, I don't want to set the expectation that uh, that we are equipped and, and, uh, and able uh, to go out into the countryside and physically move people into Kabul. Our focus right now, the troops that we have there are at the airport. The idea is to make sure we can get that uh, the air operations, not only have they resumed, but to keep them in place for as long as possible. If they can't get to the airport, what does it matter if you have the capabilities to get them out from the airport? John, I understand that. And we all understand that the security situation in Kabul is not ideal. Uh, right now, the airport is open uh, and people are. By the way, it's not open. That's a lie. The airport's not open. There's no safe passage to the airport. The Taliban has surrounded the airport. Yes, Americans are protecting the airport, but there's no way to get to the airport, which is exactly what American citizens are begging, that we need you to come get us. And this guy just said there's no plan to get Americans to the airport. So, okay, the airport's open. How do I get there without being beheaded by the Taliban? able to get through uh, through the gates there. There's a there's a processing process that actually has to occur. Uh, but right now, things are moving out of the airport. And again, our focus is on making sure that continues. So in other words, we have an airport that is open, but we have no plan on how to get Americans, his words, not mine, to the airport to get on the planes. This is the Biden administration. And he's saying this while Joe Biden is actually on vacation. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. A couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. 
This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my from this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Even MSNBC is having on Democrats who are saying this is all Joe Biden's fault now. The Pentagon has put out a number saying that they can't evacuate 5,000, 9,000 people per day, but we have no way to get them to the airport. So at some point, what are we going to do, right? The Pentagon also saying that it will take weeks So I want you to imagine knowing that the United States government and you're an American citizen, your family's there, you've been helping there in Afghanistan, you've been working in Afghanistan, and you're an actual American citizen with a U.S. passport, and your country has just told you while the president is on vacation that you're going to have to play a game of hide-and-go-seek, and if you lose, you will be murdered. You will be beheaded. Your children will be brutally murdered. In the streets, you may be hung from a crane. If you lose the game of hide-and-go-seek for the next two weeks, and the Pentagon just said, again, I'm quoting them, we have no plans on how to get Americans to the airport. They have no plan how to do that. Even Democratic Representative Moulton on MSNBC said this. The next few days are critical, and the last few days seem to have been avoidable. Given all that you've just said, who do you think President Biden is listening to? Well, he's not listening to me because for the last few months, I have been telling the administration that they need to start the evacuation immediately. That if you simply did the math with the number of people we need to get out and the number of days that we had before U.S. troop withdrawal is complete, they should have been conducting this evacuation for months. Uh, This is the first question I asked Secretary Austin when he came before the House Armed Services Committee just two months ago. I said, Mr. Secretary, why have you not already begun this evacuation? All the scenes of total chaos that we saw play out on the TV yesterday could have been avoided if the administration had planned for this in advance. I mean, I am shocked that they are talking today about finding U.S. bases Uh, here in America to house these Afghans. We've known for months, in fact, we've known for years that we need places to put these folks when they immigrate to the United States. There's been an SIV, a special immigrant visa backlog since long before I came to Congress. So there's really no excuse for not doing this planning uh, for this evacuation and starting it sooner. This is a Democratic congressman saying this. They all know it has been a screw-up. Now, the White House and the Pentagon is trying to act like somehow the Taliban is a good group of guys, a a bunch of normal people, right? They just had this Pentagon briefing where the Pentagon spokesman, who just said we have no plans on how to get Americans out of Afghanistan outside of the airport area, wants you to know, though, that, hey, the Taliban's actually, they're being really good people right now. They're dragging people from their homes. They're murdering people. They pulled a mother of four out of her house for not cooking for them because she said, I have no food, no money for food. And they drug her out in the street, or excuse me, they drug her in the bedroom, beat her with the butt of AK-47s to death. 
then threw a grenade in the house and blew up other family members. And the Pentagon spokesman said, quote, there's been no hostile interaction from the Taliban to our operations. Well, at least at the airport. Yeah, because you just gave them the whole damn country. Hostile threats from the Taliban at the airport. I'm wondering, does the U.S. have an arrangement with the Taliban to allow the evacuation airlift to proceed until August 31st? And the second question is, um, under what circumstance would the U.S. troops leave before August 31st? So on your first question, what I would tell you is uh, coming out of General McKenzie's discussions with senior Taliban leaders in, in Doha, our commanders at uh, the airport um, are in communication with Taliban commanders on the ground outside the airport. There have been discussions. There is communication uh, between them and, and us. Um, and I would just let the results speak for themselves. I'm not going to get into the details of, of how those discussions are progressing because they uh, there are interactions uh, multiple times a day. Uh, and uh, as I the general said, I think very well, there's been no hostile interactions uh, from the Taliban to our operations uh, at uh, at the airport. So the point of that would be to allow that the Taliban is, is willing to allow it to proceed, and they're they're co they're cooperating in that regard. I would just let the results speak for themselves so far, and we're not taking anything for granted. And, and the prior to August 31st part of my oh, time. I'm sorry, yeah. Uh, right now, as the general made clear, the mission runs through August 31st. The commander in chief made it very clear that uh, we were going to complete this drawdown by August 31st, and that, which now includes the drawdown of uh, American citizens, uh, you know, the pulling out of American citizens and drawdown of our embassy personnel. So that's what we're focused on. That's the timeline we're on. Uh, and as the secretary made clear uh, to, to leaders, even as uh, recently as this morning, uh, time is of the essence. And uh, we all we all share a, a sense of urgency here. But right now, the mission runs to 31st of August, and I won't begin to speculate what, what happens after that. All right, so there you go. So the 31st, Taliban, hey, uh, just hold on. Don't do anything stupid till the 31st. After that, you can go kill everybody you want to. I, I mean, Taliban spokesman just congratulate the nation for this victory. Congratulate the nations. Hey, like, congratulations. We, we won. We beat. Remember, Tal Taliban plays the long game. That's what happens here. Taliban plays the long game. Afghan's first female mayor gave a plea for her country moments ago. The first female mayor ever says she's now waiting for the Taliban to come and kill her after the terror group outed the government effectively see power of the country. Zarifa, 27, became the youngest and first female mayor in Afghan in 2018. She has received numerous threats from the Taliban and faced multiple attempted assassinations. Her father was killed last year. He, he held a defense ministry position in Kabul. Moved there over fear for her safety until the Taliban overran the city over the weekend, according to iNews. Her plea, quote, I'm sitting here waiting for them to come. There is no one to help me or my family. I'm just sitting with them and my husband. And they will come for people like me and they will kill me. I can't leave my family. And anyway, there would be, where would I go? America has abandoned us. There is nowhere for us to go. You want to know somebody that I'm in favor of giving asylum to? This woman. This is an individual that I would absolutely say yes to. And you have this race to evacuate Americans and Afghans from Kabul. And the Taliban knows they own it right now. Less than a month ago, this woman 
had seemed optimistic about our country's future, telling iNews at the time, quote, younger people are aware of what's happening. They have social media. They communicate. I think they will continue fighting for progress and our rights. I think the future for our country, we might still have a chance. Many of Afghan's top government officials have already fled the country. The president fled the country on Sunday as the Taliban militants entered Kabul. Refugees who fled to Kabul before its fall said the Taliban militants had already begun cracking down on Afghans in outlying cities and towns, forcing unmarried women to become sex slaves, wed to Taliban fighters, executing every Afghan soldier they can get their hands on. Members of the Taliban have already reported started knocking door to door, searching in Kabul, looking for any former officials of the Afghan government any former soldiers, any journalists and others, and then killing them. Taliban militants are reportedly conducting these door-to-door searches, looking for all of the people who worked in the United States, dragging them to the streets, throwing grenades in their homes, and blowing them up. Taliban militants are also seeking out journalists who were not friendly to the Taliban. In other words, if you were reporting the truth. While the terrorist group has promised safety and Publicly called for a peaceful transfer of power, refugees who flocked to Kabul prior to its fall said that the Taliban had already begun forced marriages and executions. Taliban started the door-to-door search looking for government officials, former police and security force members, and those who worked for foreign country NGOs or infrastructure in Afghanistan. Three journalist houses were searched in the last hour, news media outlets are reporting. Kabul has now become deadly. One Kabul-based journalist tweeted out this morning, this is a game changer for all of us. Many have started counting their final hours of life. Nobody knows what happens next. Please pray for us because no one's coming to get us. Taliban fighters are going door-to-door looking for also the government employees. And when they find them, they take them in the street, announce to the community this will happen if you help the Americans, and then executing them. Another journalist tweeted out, some have been taken away. Family members say, in other cases, houses have been searched and documents, weapons confiscated. Taliban also recording names and addresses for kill lists. What is the U.S. government doing? Our president is on vacation right now. He addressed the nation, checked that box, and now he has decided to go on vacation. Even last night, Brian Williams praised Joe Biden's speech on MSNBC and an Army veteran embarrassed him on live TV. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. 
Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take a listen to this. Curious to hear your reaction of this consequential speech by the American president, didn't run from it, he owned it. He owned his decision, he owned the fact that, as he put it, the buck stops with him. By the way, he did run. He literally answered no questions from the U.S. media after he got finished talking, not even one question, and then went back on vacation while Americans are trapped in Afghanistan being hunted down by the Taliban, actual American citizens. But yet, MSNBC and Brian Williams like, well, he owned it, he did a great job. He did an amazing job. Listen to, listen to this U.S. Army veteran Matt Zeller's response. I hope he gets to own their deaths, too. I, I don't I feel like I watched a different speech than the rest of you guys. I was appalled. There was such a profound, bold faced lie in that speech. The idea that we plan for every contingency. I have been personally trying to tell this administration since it took office. I've been trying to tell our government for years that this was coming. We sent them plan after plan on how to evacuate these people. Nobody listened to us. They didn't plan for the evacuation of our Afghan wartime allies. They're trying to conduct it now at the 11th hour. The thing that they were most concerned about was the optics of a chaotic evacuation. Well, they got exactly what they were most concerned of by failing to do what was right when we could have done it. We had all the people and equipment in place to be able to save these people months ago, and we did nothing. I'm appalled that he thinks that we only need to take 2,000 people. There's 86,000 people who are currently left behind in Afghanistan alone. We've identified all of them for the government. I have no idea why they, 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 he claims that people don't want to leave Afghanistan. I have a list of 14,000 names right now of people who want to get out of Afghanistan. And the idea that the Afghan military should be blamed for this, do you know how many casualties the Afghan military took in an average year? More than the United States did in 20. When you're not Did you hear that stat, by the way? Matt Zeller just said, if you think the Afghan military is a bunch of cowards, they took more casualties in a year in the Afghan military being attacked by the Taliban than the U.S. military did in the last 20 years combined in Afghanistan. That's why I said I feel like I watched a different speech than the rest of you guys. It, I was appalled. Listen to that fact again. He says, I've got a list, and this is a guy that served. This is a guy that's angry. This is a guy that looked people in the eye and said, I am here to help. I'm from America. You help me. I'll get you out of this country if you ever need to. And those people are begging him to be extracted, and we're saying, sorry, you're going to be beheaded. 
military should be blamed for this. Do you know how many casualties the Afghan military took in an average year? More than the United States did in 20. When you're not getting paid on a regular basis, when you're not getting fuel, when no one is supplying you with ammunition, and yet you're still showing up to the fight, how dare us for having to blame these people for not having the audacity to be able to survive a Taliban onslaught? No, no, no. What we need to be doing right now, and what I am appalled that the president didn't say, was we need to be talking about how we're going to get every single one of these people out. Every single one of these people out. This man's angry. That's, of course, not what MSNBC thought he was going to say, and I'm sure they'll never have him back. Don't worry. You know, there's bizarre pictures of celebrations coming out right now. The Sun just put up pictures of what they're referring to now as Jihadi Park. The Taliban was riding in bumper cars after seizing a theme park as others hunt victim on a kill list. This bizarre video put out of the Taliban shows fanatics who carry out brutal executions, stonings and amputations, riding on a merry-go-round, and also in bumper cars. Footage shows them driving these bumper cars around, enjoying themselves. Many of them laughing and smiling as they drive around in each other's cars with their guns propped up in the passenger seat. Another video, Taliban fighters are also seen riding ponies on the merry-go-round at the theme park that they seized. This comes as disturbing reports have been confirmed from Afghanistan. Taliban fighters going door to door with kill lists with women facing torture and execution and rape all under the brutal new rules. The Taliban is now in complete control of the country and government troops have been seen surrendering to them and then being executed. Taliban forces have already pledged to reintroduce Sharia law, which brutalized women and gay people threw them from the rooftops when they ruled the Afghanistan country in the 90s there have already been reports throughout their advance of women being shot dead and girls young as 12 being dragged from their homes to be raped and quote married to the fighters pick your hottest 12 year old you can find that's literally what the taliban is doing right now and what is this president doing he's on a damn vacation it appears however their first mission is to tick off the victims who have made their way into their kill list as they hunt down anyone who may have helped force forces of the u.s uk and other nations during the occupation Not only are they calling them in the middle of the night and the daytime, they're just screwing with them like they're a trapped animal in a cage before they finally go in to kill them. Brutality is setting in, and the reign of the Taliban is in full force in Afghanistan and in Kabul. Taliban spokesman just changed his tune after saying we're not going to kill a bunch of people yesterday. He now said the punishments and executions are up to the, quote, religious followers, and the courts. Asked specifically about the horrific violence that they dealt out in the 1990s, such as chopped off hands and feet and stonings of women. He said, I can't say right now. It is up to the court and the judges and the laws. One Afghan government soldier surrendered to the Taliban. What did they do to him? They walked him the streets, and then they blew his head off. They put it on the internet. They, they're proud of it. They're not trying to hide it, folks. They're proud of it. And not one time in the president's speech did he warn the Taliban, don't screw with us. You want to know what's happening to those that are actually stood with us? One man who served in our military, who is now a representative, Mike Waltz, who ran for Congress after serving his country, told this story to 60 Minutes last night. 
my interpreter was often more important to me than a heavy machine gun or a radio to be able to, to talk to the Air Force because without that asset, I was, you know, I was basically deaf and in many ways culturally blind. That's how important they were. Mike Waltz is a Republican representative from Florida and the first Army Green Beret elected to Congress. He shared this photo of his translator, known as Spartacus, who was waiting on SIV approval when he was stopped at a Taliban checkpoint. When the Taliban found him with that paperwork, they forced him to go home. They followed him home. Not only did they behead him, uh, but they dragged several of his brothers and his cousins out and killed them as well. Uh, to send that kind of a message. Why would someone risk everything uh, to help U.S. forces? Yeah, you know, <laughs> these people had lived true brutality, right? And they, they saw a very clear path of standing with the United States to reject uh, the Taliban and Al-Qaeda and that just real bastardization of a beautiful religion in Islam, uh, or to capitulate and, um, you know, live under their rule. And so for them, that was worth dying for. The House will be in order. Last month, the House passed legislation that would delay the required medical exam until the applicant reaches the U.S., streamlining an approval process that currently takes the State Department nearly three years. Far too long, says Congressman Waltz. You have already 18,000 people in line. Um, are you concerned that number can grow? I'm incredibly afraid for them. Uh, when that last American soldier goes wheels up out of Afghanistan, we will have handed these people a death sentence to those that we haven't gotten out. We need to get them out. We need to get them out. I'll say the last thing, this today, to put this in perspective. Remember that guy by the name of Bo Bergdahl? Remember when we traded terrorist from Guantanamo Bay to get him back and he was a deserter left the base and we risked people's lives to go find him and people died trying to find him and then we traded top Taliban individuals from Guantanamo Bay you remember that well guess what one of the people we traded in that group of five we now have been told that that Taliban leader who was free going Guantanamo Bay in 2014 swapped by the Obama administration is now a Taliban leader. President Barack Obama released five Taliban commanders from Gitmo in exchange for an American deserter in 2014. He assured a weary public that the dangerous enemy combatants would be transferred to Qatar and kept from causing trouble in Afghanistan. In fact, they were let free to engineer Sunday's attack on Kabul. Soon after gaining their freedom, some of the notorious Taliban five pledged to return to fight Americans in Afghanistan and make contacts with active military Taliban leaders there. But the Obama-Biden administration turned a blind eye to the disturbing intelligence report, even though they could have hunted them down and killed them. It wasn't long before the freed detainees used Qatar as a base to form a regime in exile. Eventually, they were even recognized by Western diplomats as official representatives of the Taliban during recent peace talks. Earlier this year, one of those five actually sat across the table from President Biden's envoy to Afghanistan in Moscow, where they were part of the official Taliban delegation that negotiated the final terms of our withdrawal. The retreat cleared a path for the Taliban to retake power after 20 years. I started jihad to remove foreign forces from my country, he said, and establish an Islamic government. And jihad will continue until we reach that goal through a political agreement, he said at the stomach. 
Congratulations to Barack Obama and Joe Biden for letting this guy out, and now he's the one that's going to kill Americans again. All right, as I said before, and I'll say it again, please make sure that you share this podcast with your family and friends. Hit that share button right now, that little arrow. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you can listen to it each and every day and help your friends find this podcast. Without you guys, we don't exist, so thank you. I'll see you back here tomorrow. We'll keep doing everything we can to get you the best information about what's going on in Afghanistan each and every day. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 